Let's pray together. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Heavenly Father, we have gathered together once again as a church. We just want to thank you for your faithfulness in our own individual lives and your faithfulness just over this body together as a family of Christ. And God, as we transition now to the message, I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts as a church will be pleasing in your sight, O God, that you would take all the glory for yourself during the service, that, God, we pray against every distraction of the enemy, that there's any feelings of guilt or any attack of the enemy, any accusations of guilt and shame from the enemy. Lord, we rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ, the name above all names. Lord God, this is a time where we give all glory to you. Lord, this is a time where, God, your name will be lifted high. It's not about our feelings or our emotions, but, Lord, we make it all about you. We choose today to glorify your name. We refuse to allow our emotions and our feelings to dictate our worship to you. So, God, even no matter where we are right now, we choose today to lift up our hands and worship to give you all the glory and all the praise. Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer, take all the glory for yourself here in this place. Lord, let this time be a time where, God, it has been ordained by you. Lord, speak to us. For, God, we are hungry and desperate to hear your voice, O oh God. We give all glory to you. All glory to your name. May your name be lifted high. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, I pray. And God's people pray. Amen and amen. We're now in Job series part eight, and the title of today's message is called Eliphaz. Can you turn to your neighbor and say Eliphaz? And it's the good, the bad, the ugly, Eliphaz. This is the first friend of Job. He has four friends total, Eliphaz, Zophar, uh, Bildad, and then you'll see Elihu later, which he comes in the later chapters, but today, we're going to focus on the first friend, and his name is Eliphaz. Eliphaz, the Temanite. And he is mentioned, for your reference, he is mentioned in chapter 4, chapter 5, he is mentioned in chapter 15, and in chapter 22. But instead of doing chapter 15 and 22, we're just going to focus on chapter 4 and chapter 5 because we're going to go in order. And I'm going to go ahead and read chapter 4. And you as a congregation, I would like for you to come together and read chapter 5 together, okay? So I'm going to start with chapter 4, starting with verse 1. Okay, it begins with this. It says, Then Eliphaz, Temanite, replied, If someone ventures a word with you, will you be impatient? But who can keep from speaking? Think how you have instructed many, how you have strengthened feeble hands. Your words have supported those who stumbled. You have strengthened faltering knees. But now trouble comes to you and you are discouraged. It strikes you and you are dismayed. 
Should not your piety be your confidence and your blameless ways your hope? Consider now who being innocent has ever perished. Where were the upright ever destroyed? As I have observed, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble reap it. Pretty much he's, he's accusing Job of doing something evil. That is why this evil has, has happened to his life. That's what he's saying. Verse 9, at the breath of God they perish. At the blast of his anger they are no more. The lions may roar and growl, yet the teeth of the great lions are broken. The lion perishes for lack of prey, and the cubs of the lioness are scattered. A word was secretly brought to me. My ears caught a whisper of it. Amid disquieting dreams in the night, and deep sleep falls on people. Fear and trembling seized me and made all my bones shake. A spirit glided past my face, and the hair of my body stood on end. It stopped, but I could not tell what it was. A form stood before my eyes, and I heard a hushed voice. Can a mortal be more righteous than God? Can even a strong man be more pure than his maker? If God places no trust in his servants, if he charges his angels with error, how much more those who live in houses of clay, whose foundations are in the dust, who are crushed more readily than a moth. Between dawn and dusk, they are broken to pieces. Unnoticed, they perish forever. Are not the cords of their tent pulled up so that they die without wisdom? Eliphaz will continue in chapter 5. Let's go. Ready? One, two, three. Seven, no harm will touch you. 
and missing. You will know that your children will be many, and your descendants are like grass of the earth. You will come to the grave in full vigor, but she is gathered to season. We have examined this, and it is true. So fear it and apply it to yourself. So pretty much just to sum it up, to make it easy, he's pretty much saying, Job, you are suffering because of your sins. You have sinned. That's what he's saying. He's accusing Job of, the, of, of, of wrongdoing. So in response to this, to his friend Eliphaz, is found in Job chapter 6, verse 29. And this is the NLT version. He says this. He says, stop assuming my guilt, for I have done no wrong. And no wrong he did. We know from God, the way God commands Job, that Job did not sin against God. So he responds to his friend Eliphaz. He says, stop assuming my guilt, for I have done no wrong. So let's get into our four points. Our four, point number one is this. Point number one is the good. Now, what was the good that Eliphaz did? Eliphaz, as we know, we mentioned in the previous sermons, that he sat with Job for seven days and he was quiet. Just for your reference, let's go to Job chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. It says, when Job's three friends, Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Zamanite, heard about all the troubles that had come upon him, they set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. In response to what happened with Job, Eliphaz, he sat with Job for seven days. And we understood, and we understand from our previous message that health is our greatest wealth, right? But our second greatest wealth in life is having good relationships. It's about having good friendships. So we understand that if you have one true friend in a lifetime, then you are wealthy. There's a saying, show me your friends and I will show you your future. So like minds draws in like characters. So we understand here that the good thing that Eliphaz did was that he sat with Job. He sat there quietly as, as Job grieved for, with the loss of his family, with the loss of his health. He was there with him. So that was a good thing that he did. That's point number one. Let's go into point number two, the bad. What was the bad thing that Eliphaz did? As a friend, Eliphaz gave, I have two sub points for us. Letter A, he gave a terrible reasoning. As a friend, Eliphaz gave terrible reasoning. He pretty much said, you are suffering because of your sins. But we understand that Job is not suffering because of his sins. That this was an attack from Satan and that he was being tested by God. You are suffering because of your sins. That was the wrong thing for Eliphaz to say to his friend at this time. This is not true. If you remember back to the first sermon, part one, we talked about how Job, he was, number one, he was great. Number two, he was blameless. Number three, he was perfect. The, the, the passages that I'm going to just, I'm going to go quickly go ahead, mention from the previous message. These are some examples. In Job 1, 1 through 5, it says, In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. The, the scripture tells us that he was the greatest man among all the people of the, of the East. He prayed for his sons and his daughters. 
And it says this was his regular custom, that he prayed to God all the time. So we understand that Job's character was what? Was what? He was great, he was blameless, and he was perfect. We see in reference in Job chapter 1 verse 8, what does God say about Job? It says, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And then in reference, if you keep going, let's, let's go further in verse 20 and 22. At this, Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head. He fell to the ground and worshipped. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. It tells us here that he didn't sin against God by charging God of wrongdoing with his mouth. And then we see, in, if we go further in Job chapter 2, verse 3, God also says again for the second time, The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright. A man who fears God and shuns evil, and he still maintains his integrity. Though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. And then even, if you go further, in verse 9 and 10, in chapter 2, when Job's wife tries to tell him to curse God and die, for your reference, let me just read it. His wife said to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, you are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. So again, he gave terrible reasoning. You are suffering because of your sins, and that was not true. Whenever a friend is undergoing suffering, if you have a friend that is going through trials, please never assume their sin. Don't assume their guilt. Do not say things. You are suffering because of your sins, for you do not know that individual. As a friend, Eliphaz, letter A, he gave terrible reasoning. So point Letter B, as a friend, Eliphaz gave terrible advice. Pretty much he was saying this, go to God and present your case to him, for you have done wrong. That's what he was saying. Eliphaz was saying, Job, you did something wrong, so go to God and present your case to him. But we understand as readers that Job was innocent. If I were you, this is what Eliphaz says in Job chapter 5, verse 8, If I were you, I would appeal to God. I would lay my cause before him. And how does Job respond to his friend? And just remember, he just lost everything, right? The best thing, the good thing that the friend did was just stay quiet. The moment he opened his mouth, that's when he was sinning before his friend and before God. And how does Job respond to this? In chapter 4 and verse 5, what Eliphaz was saying. For your reference, I'm going to Job chapter 6, verse 24 to 30, and this is how Job responds. And for your reference, this is NLT version. He says this, pretty much he's saying, Stop assuming I have sinned, for I am innocent. Let me go ahead and read verse 24. Teach me, and I will keep quiet. Show me what I have done wrong. Honest words can be painful. But what do your criticisms amount to? 
Do you think your words are convincing when you disregard my cry of desperation? You would even send an orphan into slavery or sell a friend. Look at me. Would I lie to your face? Stop assuming my guilt, for I have done no wrong. He's pretty much saying, relent. Do not be unjust. Reconsider, for my integrity is at stake, the NIV version says. Verse 30, do you think I am lying? Don't I know the difference between right and wrong? And you could hear the frustration of Job to his friend. Imagine you're innocent and you're being accused of doing something wrong. That's one of my things that I hate the most. I hate when I'm innocent and when someone thinks that you're, you've done something wrong, it's like, I've done nothing wrong. That's what he's telling his friend. Would I lie to your face? Am I lying to you? He's saying, stop assuming my guilt, verse 29, for I have done no wrong. And you could hear the frustration in Job's response to his first friend, Eliphaz. How frustrated Job must have been with this individual. So again, what was the bad? He gave terrible reasoning, and he gave terrible advice. Let's go to point number three. Eliphaz should have, what should he have done? Two sub-points in this, in this point, point number three. Letter A, he should have stayed silent. He should have continued staying silent. He should have stayed silent, letter A. You could just imagine Job saying, please, Eliphaz, stop talking. The more you talk, the deeper you are, you are digging your own grave. It's like when you're sitting in a wedding and you're hearing like a, the, like, you know, like when you sit in a wedding, when you go to weddings, like you hear like an awkward best man speech or like a really bad, like, you know, maid of honor speech and just sitting there, people are not really laughing. They're like speaking away from the mic like this. No one could hear anything. It's like, please just stop, just stop, just stop, stop, stop. Or you have that best man who's always like cracking jokes at the guy. I'm like, you're his best friend. You should lift him up, not crack jokes. And they say, just to give you a heads up, if you're ever going to be a best man in the future, never do inside jokes because no one's going to understand. It'll be funny between you two. It'll be you two laughing, and people are going to be like, whoa, what are they doing? And it's awkward. Just cricket, cricket, cricket. Just cricket. So just, just for your future reference, Ronnie, do not do inside joke with you-know-who, okay, for the future. But anyways, it's like hearing someone, a speech that you do not want to hear, and you could just imagine Joe saying, please, please, Eliphaz, please just be a good friend. Just stop talking. And Job literally says this. For your reference, later in Job chapter 13, verse 5, he says, he says, if only you will remain silent, for that would have been your wisdom. A lot of times, speaking does not mean that you are wise. Even the Bible says, if you keep your tongue, if you are silent, then you are wise. It says, for your reference, Proverbs 17, verse 28, it says, even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise when he closes his lips. He is deemed intelligent. How much better it would have been for Eliphaz if he had just stayed silent. How much better it would have been for Joe's wife if she just remained silent. But instead, she chose to, to speak foolishly by saying, are you still maintaining your integrity? 
curse God and die. And how much she will regret her words later down the road. So again, what was a good thing? Eliphaz should have what? Stayed silent. Let her be. He should have trusted Job. He should have trusted his friend. He should have trusted his friend Job. I mean, just look at chapter 4 in the beginning when we read. What does it say in the beginning? You know, he talks about in verse 2, uh, verse 3. Well, let's go to verse 3. Think how you have instructed many, how you have strengthened feeble hands. In verse 4, your words have supported those who stumbled. You have strengthened faltering knees. And then verse 5, but now trouble comes to you, Job, and you are discouraged. It's not just trouble, Eliphaz. He lost everything. He lost his whole family. Do you not see the condition that he's in? He's saying, but now trouble comes to you and you are discouraged? It strikes you and you are dismayed? Should not your pity be your confidence and your blameless ways your hope? And he pretty much just brings, he's just bringing his friend down. He's just bringing him down and down and down and down. What he should have done was, Job, no matter what you're going through, I trust you. I know who you are. I know your character. I trust you. And I'm standing with you right now. He should have trusted Job. He should have trusted his friend that he was innocent. Eliphaz should should not have accused Job of wrongdoing. Whenever you are going through trials, whenever you go through hardships, watch who will stand with you. When your reputation is on the line and people are accusing you, see who will stand with you. Will they believe the lies and the whispers, what they see with their eyes? Will they stand on your side when everyone leaves your side? Those are the friends that are key to your future, to your present. Relationships are key as a Christian. We need relationships. We need good friendships. Eliphaz should have stayed silent, and he should have trusted Job. Leading into our last point, point number four, the ugly. What was the ugly? the ugliness of Eliphaz. And this is scarier than, you know, Eliphaz being yelled at by his friends or, you know, being disciplined by human relationships. The worst part of this story here of Eliphaz, the ending of Eliphaz is this, the conclusion of Eliphaz. In the end, I have three sub-points for us. Letter A, Eliphaz is rebuked by God. He is rebuked by God. Letter B, Eliphaz is never commanded by God. Letter C, Eliphaz is never praised by God. I'll say it again. Eliphaz is rebuked by God. Eliphaz is not commanded by God. Eliphaz is never praised by God. Pretty much he receives discipline from God himself. And for your reference, this is how God responds. After everything ends, if you go to chapter 42, Job 42, this is how God responds to to Eliphaz. Job chapter 42, verse 7 through 9, it says this, After the Lord has said these things to Job, 
he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends. Having God angry at us, that's like the worst thing that could happen to us as human beings. God tells Eliphaz, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. Verse 8, so now take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and sacrifice a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your folly. You have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite did what the Lord told them. And the Lord accepted Job's prayer. God doesn't even accept the prayer of Eliphaz, Zophar, and Bildad. But God will accept the prayer of Job. And God tells him specifically, I am angry with you, for you have not spoken the truth about me. Job, on the other hand, is commanded by God in the end and in the beginning. I mean, he was truly a man of character, and not just in the beginning. Remember, in the beginning, I give you all the references of how you know, he is a man who fears God. There's no one on earth like him. He lives with integrity. And even in the end, he is commended by God in the beginning and in the end. So I pray that as men and women of God, that even in your friendships, with your worldly friendships, but especially in the church with your brothers and sisters, that we will learn, we will learn to not be like Eliphaz, that we will not take on the pride that Eliphaz had. In the beginning, he looked good, and I'm sure he had good intentions. But later, he is rebuked by God, and God tells him, I am angry with you. And I pray that as, you know, Yoon is going back to school soon, and as we're going back to our, our work and, and different things with school, with break, and with the next semester and everything coming up, I pray, God, that we will be a good Christian brother and sister, that we will be a good friend, that we will not follow the example of Eliphaz. And in closing, closing with this, I want to invite you to close your eyes with me at this time. As I mentioned about the friend Eliphaz today, which is found in chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 15, chapter 22. We went over chapter 4 and chapter 5, and we talked about the good that he did. The good that he did was that he remained silent. He sat with Job for seven days as he was mourning with the loss of his family, with the loss of his health. We learned today, point number two, the bad. What was the bad thing that he did? That as a friend, Eliphaz gave terrible reasoning. That Eliphaz gave terrible advice. We also learned that Eliphaz should have what? He should have stayed silent. He should have trusted his friend. He should have trusted Job. And what was he ugly? At the end of the day, it's about us 
being accepted by God or being rejected by God. At the end of this life, will God say, you've been an amazing friend? Will we be commanded by Him? Will God be angry with us and be rejected by Him? We understood that Eliphaz in the end, the ugly was that Eliphaz is rebuked by God, that Eliphaz is never commanded by God, that Eliphaz is never praised by God. So may we not be like Eliphaz in this Christian journey as a friend to our brother and sister. May the Lord not be angry with us in our approach when our friends or an individual that we know are undergoing trial. That we will not accuse them of wrongdoing for we do not know what they went through. Instead, may the Lord say this to us. May the Lord say this to us. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. May the Lord not say this to us. You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Oh, and Joel, in the end of his life, even though he lost everything, God gives him blessing upon blessing, and his life is commended for it. May the Lord say this to us. Come, you are blessed, who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. May the Lord not say this to us. Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Let us not be motivated by our own wisdom when we speak. May we be motivated by the Spirit of God that we speak from the wisdom of God that comes from God and God himself. May we speak the, may we speak the right words when we have a friend who is undergoing a troubling period, a period of pain, in a period of depression. May you be an individual that lifts and encourages rather than to accuse and to blame. So right now, today, just with our eyes closed, can we just reflect on today's message? Ask yourself this question. Am I like Eliphaz, where I judge too quickly? Where I speak too quickly? Or am I slow to speak and quick to listen? Am I truly praying for that friend or that individual rather than judging and being rash with my words? I pray that we will be commended by God at the end, that we would have been known as an individual who was a good friend. So right now with our eyes closed, I want to invite you to reflect, reflect on the message today. See where your heart is right now.
And if you are not, and you have been living like Eliphaz, let's just ask God to forgive us of our sins. Let's repent of our sins. And let's turn to Him right now at this time. Let's just pray together. Let's lift up our voices. And just reflect on the message today. Let's ask God to give us a pure heart. A heart of Christ. A heart that is patient. Let's ask God to transform us. You may have started well as Eliphaz did. But are you finishing well? Are you living this life well? Let's pray together. divided right now with the Republicans, with the Democrats, left and right, people who are in the middle and whatever side that you're in, and we see the nation that is divided right now. But we know one thing, that even though the world is a broken place, we may not be able to fix the world, but we know that as a church, that as a deep-rooted church, that we must stand united, 
that we must not be divided, that we must come together right now as we're in this transitional period with a new location and everything. We need to come together right now. We need to learn how to be a good friend, a good brother. We need to be, learn how to be a good steward of the relationships that God has given to us. You may look at your friends on social media and think, wow, they have so many followers, they have so many friends. But truly, who are real friends? Is having a lot of numbers means that you're popular and that you are more important? Absolutely not. For having one friend, that one true friend, a friend that you can be a true friend to, is the greatest blessing aside from having great wealth, great health. For health is our greatest wealth, but having good relationships and friendship is another wealth that we have in this life that cannot be bought with money. So right now, I'm going to invite the prayer scene to come up. And with our eyes closed, if you could keep your eyes closed at this time and give the praise team time to set up. We're going to sing the song, I Stand in Awe of You. And we're going to begin with a chorus. And we're going to change the words a little bit. The song says, I stand, I stand in awe of you. I stand, I stand in awe of you. But instead of I, we're going to say we. We're going to come together as a church and we're going to sing together as a church and we're going to sing, we stand and we stand in awe of you. We're going to come together. We're going to be united in Christ for we are part of the body of Christ. So I want to invite you right now, if you could stand to your feet and let's sing, we stand, we stand in awe of you. And let's just make this our prayer and our worship before God.
pray together. Heavenly Father, we stand, we stand in awe of you. We stand before your presence. God, there is no first place or second place or last place. For we live one life. No one is given two lives. One life, one chance. We have a beginning, a middle of the journey, and then we have the end and the final breath we take. From dust we are born, and to dust we will return, and life will continue. Even though in this flesh it will end, we know that in all of eternity, we will have our home that is found in Christ. So God, we thank you for this journey called life. We thank you for the friendships that we have, the brothers that we can call, the sisters that we can call when we are in desperate need of help. And thank you for the relationships and the friendships that we have, those that come to our aid when we are in need. Lord, let us learn to give and also to receive from the friendships. Lord, let us be a good steward of relationships to the relationships and to the friendships that you have given us. So God, there is no first, second, or third, or last. We have this one life, one chance to do it well. So God, let us live for you. Let us live with integrity. Let us live according to your calling, the purpose that you have given us, oh God. So God, as we have learned today in the story of Eliphaz, we learn the good, we learn the bad, and we learn the ugly. Lord, let us be commended by you at the end of our life, that we will always speak truth from our mouths. And God, that we will not speak from our own wisdom, but we will speak with the wisdom that is given by you. So God, unite this church. Unite this body. Pray against every hindrance. We pray. And we give all glory to you. We thank you. We love you. As a church, we pray all these things. In your precious son, Jesus Christ, I pray. And God's people pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. amen.